The first reading. Today's reading centers on the transfer of power and authority from the prophet Elijah to Elisha. Their travels, which retrace the path of Joshua back to Moab, the place where Moses died, and the parting of the waters, demonstrate that Elisha and Elijah are legitimate successors of the great prophet Moses. A reading from 2 Kings, the second chapter. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them into pieces. The word of the Lord. The psalm for the day is read responsively, verses from Psalm 50. The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken calling in the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. It is perfect in its beauty. 
that shines forth in glory. Our God will come and will not keep silence with a consuming flame before and round about a raging storm that caused the heavens and the earth from above to witness the judgment of the people. Gather before me, my loyal followers, those who have made a covenant with me and sealed it with sacrifice. The heavens declare the righteousness of God. Lord is God who is judge. A second reading. The spotlight of Christian ministry is not on the people who carry out ministry, but on the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as God made light shine at creation, God makes the light of Jesus Christ shine in our lives through Christian ministry. A reading from 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to, veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three drawings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So this is a story from before, current, uh, before the current technology we have. Joe and Sue were listening 
to the Minneapolis weather report at breakfast. The announcer said, there will be three to five inches of snow today and a snow emergency has been declared. You must park your cars on the odd-numbered side of the street. Joe got up from the breakfast table and went out to move their car. Two days later, they heard another radio report. There will be two to four inches of snow today. You must park on the even-numbered side of the street. Joe grumbled and went out to move their car. Three days later, the weatherman announced, there will be two to 12 inches of snow today, and you must park. Just then the power went out, and they didn't get the rest of the instructions. Great, said Joe. What are we supposed to do now? Ah, Joe, Sue replied, just leave the car in the garage. I don't know exactly how I chose this story to relate to the gospel theme today. I think it's because they were listening to the radio and part of the instructions uh, God has for the disciples is listen to him. Listen to him. This is different than the one at the beginning of the Epiphany season where God says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We're supposed to listen to Jesus. We're supposed to hear the word. And you're here, God bless you, to hear the word, to hear the promise, to hear about the suffering of Jesus and the way of the cross that leads to ultimate glory. What are we to make of this, this story, this transfiguration? Our modern sensibilities uh, don't believe it. You know, what, where the, did they have a, a hallucination? What was going on? What scientifically was happening, we might ask. And we have to kind of withdraw our modern sensibilities. And, of course, we live in this world, this world where we have um, intelligence, scientific intelligence. We have to go back and say, okay, Perhaps it happened. We don't understand it, but perhaps it happened. There are, uh, in the other parts of the Bible, in, in 2 Peter, there is a reference to this, to this happening, this transfiguration. Um, there's a word for this, theophany. Theophany is an appearance, an amazing appearance by God. So, when Elisha sees Elijah taken up in a fiery chariot and a whirlwind into heaven, that's a theophany. When Moses sees the burning bush, the bush that's not consumed by the fire but's burning, that's a theophany. Today when the disciples see Jesus become this glowing light, that's a theophany. I wish we had theophanies today. I wish we had something brilliant and glorious. Wouldn't that be a great way for us to draw people into church? To have a theophany, God appeared, God appeared here. If we could get it on video, wouldn't that be amazing?
But we're left here to witness on our own, to point to the light of Jesus Christ. It says that Peter and James and John went up the mountain with Jesus, and they see this theophany, and Peter starts bumbling, babbling. Oh, oh, it's great to be here. Let's make three buildings or booths. Let's make a memorial here. Let's contain it. Let's contain this glory. Hold on to it. Peter was focused on glory. Jesus was focused on the cross. Let us make three dwellings. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. This will be great. It will show the non-believers, the non-believing Jews around us, that Jesus is the real thing. Here's Moses and Elijah. I always wondered, how how'd they know it was Moses and Elijah? Did they have, like, pictures of Moses and Elijah in there? Was there, were there signs? Did, you know, Moses, this is Moses? Football, you know, maybe football jerseys? Well, what's the significance of Moses and Elijah? Before the Messiah would return, according to... Um, uh, Hebrew, and according to Israelite understanding, before the Messiah would come, Moses or a prophet like Moses and Elijah would return. So Elijah was taken up into heaven. He never died. And our good Jewish friends, you know, if, when they have Passover, they, they, leave a, they leave an empty chair for Elijah, just in case Elijah might appear. And two, there was a tradition that Moses, no one knew where Moses' gravesite was. So there was a tradition that Moses, perhaps Moses never died. And there was a prophecy in Elijah, in Malachi, excuse me, that a prophet like Moses will return before the coming of the Messiah. So here it is. It's the real thing. It showed the disciples that this is the real thing. And it showed Jesus, perhaps, that he was the real thing. Because remember, Jesus was human, and Jesus knew his ultimate mission was the cross. Not glory, but the cross. The glory would come after the cross, but he would have to go through the painful agony of the cross before that happened. So there is a pattern here. We like glory and we don't like the cross. And a lot of churches try to have the glory thing going on. Man, it is great when you have thousands at worship. Wow, it's fantastic. And you have, you know, like a, a superstar band playing and people raising their hands. This is great. But we are about the cross. The cross is the centerpiece here in our church, in our building. And a lot of churches don't have crosses because, you know, it's, it's kind of an offensive symbol. You don't want to offend people. Whereas the cross is the centerpiece. Without the cross, 
we have no hope. One of the things I like about this story is even the bumbling disciples who don't know what to say, it says they were terrified. I'd be terrified too. They were terrified. But Moses and Elijah disappear and Jesus is there with them. Jesus doesn't disappear with Moses and Elijah. Jesus stays there. Jesus comes down the mountain with them to the valley. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, the next thing is a terrible failure by the disciples. They're trying to cast out a demon and they can't do it. They haven't really gotten any extra power. They still fail. So Jesus is with us in the valley. That is the promise. There are some glory experiences for our high school uh, students when they go away on a mission trip. And I can remember being on mission trips with high school kids. And uh, it's just such a wonderful feeling because you have people there who are there for a purpose. They are there to work together, uh, to sing praises to Jesus, to love one another. And they have this wonderful experience, mountaintop experience. And uh, it's kind of sad in a way because on the, the, the final night of the mission trip, there's usually a very moving uh, uh, ritual where they get their feet washed. And uh, it was very moving for me as their pastor to kneel down and wash their feet. And there are many tears and there are many promises. We're going to stay together. We're going to become a new community. We're going to do good stuff in our lives. Our lives are going to be changed. And I don't know uh, anyone who didn't get back into the trenches of life. You get back to home, you have the same pressures, you have the same doldrums of life and just go about life perhaps with a little glint, a little glint of what God is about, what Jesus, a glimpse of what Jesus is about. But other than that, back into the drudgery of life. So this is planned in the church here. It's kind of neat, actually, that we have this this vision of the glory of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the real thing. God is in control. And then we go back. We actually go into Lent. A time, a little bit of a time of drudgery. Uh, I hope you'll think about this. We, uh, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. We haven't done a good enough job of uh, publicizing it. Wednesday night, I hope you'll be here. Remember Valentine's, uh, everybody's going to be out for Valentine's, so it's going to be hard to get a reservation, so you can do Valentine's on Tuesday or Thursday when, there's, when you can get a dinner reservation. Uh, so Lent is a time for us to think about our unworthiness and uh, what Jesus has done for us, to think about the cross and to think about how we might do something more 
We talk about giving up, but maybe take on something. Do something more to keep that in mind, to keep in mind Jesus, what Jesus did for us. What can we do to add to our lives? Maybe, maybe take away, but, you know, get to work a little bit early, five minutes early, spend some time uh, just praying or just, just, you know, sitting in silence. Something like that. Add something during these 40 days of Lent. Through the valley, the nice thing about the valley is it's a time for growth. And uh, just like the earth is growing, shoots are coming up. It's a chance for us to grow too. The glory that is true is the Easter glory. The glory that Jesus rose from the dead. That death was not the final thing. Death and suffering will be swallowed up in victory. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Victory. Everything good we do will be celebrated at the end of time. Easter is a time we look forward to with joy. The joy that does not end, even though perhaps in our lives we have challenges. We know that sin and death and evil has been swallowed up in the power of the cross. That's the eternal victory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are participants, we are recipients of that glory. Not because we're super, not because we're, uh, we know what to say at the right time, but because that light of Christ was planted in us in our baptism. And it's assured to us. So we respond in kind by sharing that light with others by being a light in a dark world, by striving to follow Jesus. And sometimes we fail, but we know we always have forgiveness. And we know that God is in control. The God who calls Jesus son also calls us daughter and son. You are my beloved and we have this other sacrament, Jesus' true body and blood, comes to us on a very small portion, a small wafer, a small sip of wine or juice. Come and share in this feast that predates the victory feast at the end of time. Amen.